Hi, I'm Jasper Pattenden at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. Lots to bring you, as always. We'll look back at the defeat up at Hillsborough against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth. We've got our match debrief with Phil as well, who assesses the, uh, the current state of uh, all things at Adams Park. Uh, something very much to look forward to. Will there be a bird scarer or four, uh, as in last week? I can tell you now there isn't. You'll be able to relax. No loud bangs. Uh, hopefully not, anyway. Uh, in the next hour or so, uh, which... Is comforting. Uh, we'll hear from Ali Al Hamadi as well. Uh, Craig Anderson's been chatting to him. Uh, we'll get the manager's thoughts ahead of uh, the visit of Plymouth Argyle as well. Top of the table, uh, Plymouth on Saturday, Adams Park. We'll look ahead to Sunday's historic uh, game at the same grounds as well, where Wickham Wanderers women play for the first time in the uh, second qualifying round of the Women's FA Cup. And thanks to Wickham Wanderers ex players association, uh, we'll be hearing from a winger from the 63 64 season who played on the right uh, when. Uh, club legend Len Worley played on the left uh, that's Paul Hodges uh, but first we kick off uh, this hour with a look back at uh, Saturday's action at Hillsborough and that goes out for a throw to Sheffield Wednesday on the left hand side It'll be taken by it's very difficult to see these black numbers on these stripy shirts uh, to get my eyes plugged in for this one Marvin Johnson the left wing back to take this throw Cross comes in, left footed in, swing it right away across, and in! It's an own goal! Joe Jacobson, it's a terrible start for Wickham Wanderers. I think it's come off the foot of Joe Jacobson. Smith was lurking to put it in if he wasn't going to be put in by the Wickham defender. And not even a minute on the clock, and Sheffield Wednesday lead 1-0, and it's a terrible start for the Chevrolets. Mometti goes on that left-hand side. Goes past Hennigan, brilliant skill by Mometti, he's inside the box, Mometti still going, cuts it back, box, scores! Wickham Wanderers have levelled, and it's silence Hillsborough and Alice Mometti. My eyes were deceiving me, the Sheffield Wednesday defenders couldn't believe it either. He lays it back to box, it's his first of the season, and David Stockdale. He would have seen it a few times in training, but he couldn't have done anything about that. Sheffield Wednesday won, Wickham won. Windus. Chips it to the right-hand side, headed down by Smith. Lovely touch to Gregory now. Gregory in the centre circle. Finds Smith. Smith, he's through on the narrow angle on the far side to Bannon and scores! Sheffield Wednesday slicing their way through the Wickham back line. Mametti thinks it's offside. The assistant referee waves him away. Smith with the assist. Bannon with the simple task of firing into the roof of the net from two yards. Sheffield Wednesday two, Wickham Wanderers one. Wilkes is on the right-hand side for Sheffield Wednesday. Will it be a chance for them? Wilkes up against Mawson, lays it back now. Patterson scores! His first touch of the game seals it for the Owls. Lovely hold-up play from Wilkes. And Wickham exposed at the back, looking for the equaliser. And Patterson seals the deal. Sheffield Wednesday three, Wickham one. Yeah, um, Wickham had just thrown absolutely everything at it, leaving kind of another space for Sheffield Wednesday to exploit. And well, Wilkes doing really well, taking on his man, cuts it back for Patterson. And well, he only needed one touch to find the back of the net. And um, yeah, that gift wraps the three points for Sheffield Wednesday. Toby, thanks for your company this afternoon. Uh, Full time score here at Hillsborough. Sheffield Wednesday three, Wickham Wanderers one. 
Toby Lloyd summarising on Saturday here on Wickham Sound and on Wanderers TV as well with uh, Wickham Wanderers Match Day commentator, head of audio and broadcast, host of Ringing in the Blues, Phil Catchpole. I'm very pleased to say uh, we can catch up with Phil now. And uh, disappointing, I guess, uh, after uh, two back-to-back defeats against Sheffield Wednesday and, of course, at uh, Derby in League One before that. Yeah, we've seen two defeats back-to-back now against Derby County away at Pride Park and away at Hillsborough against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, which we've put it into perspective um, across the whole season. I don't think it'll be disastrous. Obviously, defeats coming on the back of uh, an indifferent start to the season as well hasn't helped. Um, but half-time against Derby, as the, sta- as the table stood, Wickham was six, uh, and they're now 18th uh, following those two defeats. Um, so, yeah, it's still that stage of the season where a couple of wins back-to-back can really propel you up the table. And, and likewise, as we've now seen, a couple of defeats uh, can plummet you down towards the bottom as well. Uh, after 10 games, though, the table doesn't really lie. So it hasn't been a great start for Wickham Wanderers. Uh, there's many reasons for that. Um, but there's still very good signs and, and green shoots uh, that are coming through as well. After the game, the lawnmowers are out. The hills were pretty sharpish. So we took Gareth down the tunnel to have a chat for a post-match debrief. Take the last goal out, really. 2-1, you know, and... Uh... We gambled a lot, you know, we had five up front at the end there with the last five minutes to go, so I can I can sort of understand that one. But the, the first two, I can't accept, you know, there's bad goals to concede, you know. The second one, especially, we have a free kick, you know, 10 yards from their box, and 10 seconds later it ends up in our net, and, and that's not good enough, you know, it isn't. So we've got to make sure that our set pieces are better. And they started the game really well. We caught us on the hop, which isn't us at all, you know. We had chances, we had some good chances, but we probably created as many chances as any team's going to create here because it's, it's an unbelievable place to come. Intimidating, big, big club, got some fantastic players and Darren's recruited really well, you know. So I'm um, not taking anything away from Sheffield, but when we get our moments, we've got to make them count, you know. And uh, Sheffield certainly did today. Every set piece was on the button. You know, they're hitting the target with their shots. A few of our passes were awry today and, and we didn't test Stocko enough, you know. We did a little bit and he, he's caught up with a couple of good saves, but could have been far closer than it was. Um, unfortunately, we come away with nothing, but uh, it's it's a decent performance. Just a little bit off on a couple of people, you know. Not the start you were looking for either, going one down after just 38 seconds. No, not at all, you know, and it was uh, it was just crazy starts of the you know, proceedings. We trained really well all week and... Uh, like I say, you know, it's a, a ball flashed across the goal, and um, yeah, we're one 0 down. But um, yeah, it happens sometimes. You're going to get back in it, and we we certainly did. You know, Anis with a fantastic bit of skill, as always down that left hand side. He was fantastic today again, and uh, and Sam Volks with a, a great finish. But um, you know, apart from that, there wasn't much in the first half. They had us pegged in a couple of times, but um, Max made comfortable saves, saves you expect him to make. Um, Stockholm made a couple of good ones as well one off Gapey and one off Farnish again but you know the second goal for me is a real killer a real killer you know I, I think there's an offside in there as well which really upsets me but um, they're not going to get everything right are they but we've got to dust ourselves down and build some resilience and go back next week just because just we've lost a couple of games doesn't mean we're going to lose next week we've got we to make sure that we go in the mindset against Plymouth at home with everything to play for because uh, league's really tight early days but a um, bit of a sticky start no Josh going again today and Jason McCarthy in midfield. Was that a man-marking role on Barry Bannon today? Yeah, he, he was, you know, and I, and I think, you know, he's not on him for set pieces. So the set play goal that we've conceded, you know, you can't blame Jason. But, uh, you know, keeping someone like Barry Bannon's quiet is, uh, is a hard job. You know, he's, he's, um, he's probably one of the best played 
paid players in the league for a reason. You know, he's a Premier League player, isn't he? And they've kept hold of him, and uh, and he, he runs the show sometimes. But Jason did his uh, did his best to, to keep you know a lid on Barry today, and, and I think he did okay. You know, it wasn't the Barry Bannon show that we've seen in some games previous. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's disappointing to come away with nothing. But the boys gave me everything again. You know, some positives in there again. The players getting minutes. You know, and uh, Anis again fantastic putting himself on the map you know and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be dusting ourselves down and getting back into this at 2-1 down when David Stockdale taking his time taking a goal kick was there a wry smile on your face then <laughs> it's going to happen any any keeper is going to take the time any keeper worth his weight you know so there's no moans from me you know other managers will moan about time waste and moan about that it's, it's funny they're the only managers who ever moan about time wasting are the ones that are losing I'm not going to do that today I'm not going to lower my standards <laughs> And your 10th anniversary as Wickham Wanderers manager, not the result you would have wanted today to mark that milestone. You know what, the day, it has been fantastic. You know, I have some real nice messages. Pochettino, Alex Ferguson messaging me, you know, saying congratulations, 10 years. And things like that make it make it nice, you know. Winning trophies and winning everything like that is, is not what you're in it for. It's, it's, it's being remembered as a guy who it was enjoyable to play for and, and he was fair and honest and, and he gave a good account of himself, you know. And, and that's... That's hopefully what the boys have seen today. The better team won today, you know. They're a good side. I think they're going to be right up there. I think it'll be time that Sheffield Wednesday get out of this league. But they've got some big competition in Ipswich and Portsmouth and Charlton and, and Bolton all getting 20,000-plus crowds a week. That makes a big, big difference, you know. Look at the league, and I think if you can get the attendance league up, you'll it'll be very similar to the uh, to the actual league at the moment because these clubs, can they've got finances to, to get great squads in, and they really have. I've got a great squad, but when I've got Josh going injured, um, Brandon Hanlon injured, Curtis Thompson injured, you know, it really does hit me hard. If Sheffield Wednesday had three players injured, they've got three real good players to replace them with, you know, as well. And uh, that's no slight on any of my young boys. They're coming through and they're developing quick, but it's tough at the moment. But we've been here before. We'll go again next week and I'm looking forward to Plymouth. And it still feels really early in the season as well. I know you hear many fans say, oh, you know, it's been a disappointing start. But as Gareth pointed out, you know, last week, just three points off the playoffs. Yeah, that's the thing. The table's quite condensed. I think it's a very different division this season. I think it's incredibly tough still. But I don't think it'll be the fragmented division that we found last season. Um, but that said, uh, we need to get on a run of form at some point and, and get the big players back all together, fit and on the pitch. Uh, to really see what we could do in this division. And I think Saturday will be a really tough test against the Plymouth side, who who looked really impressive in the second half, uh, taking much fancied Ipswich apart to come back and win that 1-2-1. And it just shows you that every Saturday now, every Saturday or Tuesday, whenever the league games come, uh, these are really tough games, no matter who you're playing. I mean, it really it really starts to show, doesn't it, the, the, how much of an impact the injuries have had. Yeah, I think Josh Goen is, is the one where things were looking like things it was everything was coming back together again. Max Strix come in and, and made the goalkeeping position his own and, and looks very solid and reassuring. I think uh, Tapazoli and Mawson look excellent together. Uh, and then Scoan in front of those with Gape was looking excellent too. Um, but now we've lost Josh Scoan just as Sam Vokes is coming back and he got his first goal of the season against Sheffield Wednesday. So it's a bit of frustration really because I'd love to see that spine together throughout the season and if we can have a bit of luck and get them out on the pitch more games more uh, more games uh, than, than not then I think the position in the table will, will improve dramatically um, but it's just at the moment we're not able to get everyone out there uh, at the same time which is super frustrating at this stage of the season um, and I think the other thing to look at as well 
We've played two of the three relegated teams already and five of the teams we finished in the top eight last season. So it's not been the easiest of starts statistically, although many of those people have been looking at Wickham Wanderers and thinking, wow, the way they finished last season, we wouldn't fancy playing them either. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough division. It's a tight division. No need to panic yet. And uh, I think we just need to, to stick with it. And I think once the next win comes, try and build uh, what Wickham tend to do is go on big runs. A couple of big positives from those names that you picked out as well. A number of fans have said how, how Max looks like he's, he's been in goal for, for a long time, let alone you know just a few weeks. And, and Alfie Mawson making the team of the week again, despite a, a 3-1 uh, defeat, which says a lot. Yeah, you don't often see a defender in a team that's shipped three goals. Uh, albeit, I think one of those goals was understandable because it came in the 96th minute when Wickham was throwing everybody forwards and they left gaps. Uh, to try and chase the equaliser. You might as well lose 3-1 rather than 2-1 if you're going to chace. Um, but yeah, you're right about Max Triek. Um, he's been brilliant. Uh, he comes to get everything. Uh, he's made some really good saves as well. Uh, his distribution is getting better. I think he's he's having to work in a different style than he's been probably used to at, at Livingston. Um, but that's coming now. The more time he'll spend with Lee Harrison and the other keepers, Tyler Dickinson and Josh Blunkell up at the training ground, will stand him in really good stead as well. But um, a really good, solid start to his career at Wickham Wanderers. Uh, and it's great to see. And the team have had a, a couple of events this week in, in the practice game and uh, also uh, the team photo, which is always a, a bit, bit of fun. Yeah, the practice game is great to get, and get those minutes for the younger players as well and sort of start to build a bit more on their match fitness and sharpness and, the, and the, some of the... Uh, Senior players as well, giving them a chance. Uh, so that was good there. And a positive result as well against the strong Norwich under-23 team. Uh, and the photos, the, the team photo today was great for us. My first one since I've been working at the club. Uh, so it was really interesting to see how that all comes together. Uh, there was a lot of very sort of weirdly looking at the skies for the two days before it. So it got postponed from the start of the month where the weather forecast was terrible. As it turned out on the day, the weather was okay. Uh, and then yesterday morning, it was pouring with rain here at Adams Park. And we were all thinking, wow, this is going to be a disaster. Uh, but about half an hour before the players arrived, the sun came out. All the player sponsors came down. Uh, the team photos were done and it looked lovely. And it was really lovely to be around with the team sponsors, uh, getting to hang out with the players that they support in terms of their kit sponsorship, home and away and training, uh, and meet some of the real characters that, uh, that support this club. Because is it something which is there's, there's some, it's not as easy to coordinate as you imagine? Because I think fans only see you know, the finished article and all, all the all the players looking in the right direction, looking very smart, and and you think, oh, that's really nice. But you know, it, that's probably just one of many uh, photos. I, I'm sure there are others of of players looking in a different direction, or perhaps you know one hasn't turned up. Or I think Matt Cecil does an amazing job with this. I mean, he's, he's done it for many seasons now, and his experience shone through yesterday. Uh, but yeah, it was a marvel to watch because you've you've got to get everyone in. In four rows, this is the biggest squad that Wickham have ever had. Uh, and there's all different shape, shapes and sizes of footballers, different heights, etc. So you've got to get it balanced. You've got to get it looking right uh, and all the other bits and pieces. And then, yes, you've got to get the footballers looking in the right direction all at the same time. Uh, I thought it was going to be a bit like herding cats, but they all <laughs> arrived early and were very on it. And they were fantastic to, uh, to watch them in action. A smooth operation. So hopefully that bodes well for Saturday against Plymouth. So I was going to say, you say the size of the squad, but also the size of the, the backroom staff as well. Many a team photo, you imagine, you know, they're just the manager and his assistant sat at the front and then, you know, like a physio or um, someone else at either end. But there's a whole row of, of, of Gareth's backroom staff in the photo. Yeah, I think that shows just how far the club has come as well, because when Gareth first started, it was a very small bench uh, of his staff, the goalkeeping coach, Dobbo, and, and the physio, really. That was kind of it at the start. 
Um, but now as modern football is evolving and Wickham evolving with it, you know, analysts, recruitment analysts, uh, a team of physios now rather than just one person and their medical bag, uh, a doctor. Um, yeah, so much, so many other things to, to factor in. Um, but yeah, it just shows you what the way that football is going, that it's now becoming a much more of an industry and many more people involved in it, more layers of expertise, uh, which should hopefully improve the products on the pitches as well. And ahead of audio and broadcast, of course. I don't make the photo, you see. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> you're the, you're I'm the just, back backroom stuff. I'm just in the voice in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it should stay as well, by the way. <laughs> so what sort of threat can we expect from Plymouth on Saturday? Well, I watched the second half of their game against Ipswich Town on Sunday. They were the TV game. Uh, and I turned on and they were 1-0 down against an impressive Ipswich side. And the TV commentator was... Uh, being incredibly effusive about the uh, new young Ipswich Town manager and how great they were. And then Plymouth, I thought they made some really good substitutions and uh, they really tore Ipswich apart for a good 25 minutes spell in that second half. Bags of pace up front, uh, loads of creativity in midfield. They look a really well-balanced team. And I sat there watching this thinking, well, off the back of two big, tough away games and two defeats, uh, it's great to be back at Adams Park. But wow, this, this team looked like they're really settled and uh, have really hit the ground running this this campaign. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough test. Uh, we can take solace, perhaps, in the fact that Ipswich have only, uh, sorry, Plymouth have only won once against Wickham Wanderers in their last 10 games, home and away. Uh, their fans are already dreading this fixture, uh, <laughs> which is quite interesting. Uh, but they can come here with no fear. But they're there to be shot at now. When you go top of the table, there's a target put on your back. And Gareth Fainsworth really won't care who's coming to Alice Park this Saturday. He'll know that he'll be going all out for the win. He'll be analysing what's been going on with Plymouth. He normally has a decent game plan against them. And let's hopefully that, that will continue. Thank you very much indeed for using the word effusive. That's excellent. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> Try and use that more in future, future chats as well. <laughs> quite, quite like that. Um, and also, we'll hear from uh, their vice-captain later on in the show as well, uh, Cara. But um, we, we should give a special mention to what's happening at Adams Park on Sunday as well. Of course, yeah. The, the Wickham Wanderers women's team playing in their FA Cup qualifying game here at Adams Park. A great occasion for them. They've just had their first league game at their new home uh, in Burnham, uh, the 1878 Stadium. Uh, but this FA Cup game uh, is great to get here at Adams Park. And hopefully it'll allow some fans you know, a chance to come and discover what the Wickham Wanderers women's team are all about, meet some of the characters involved uh, and, and look to see uh, if they can get behind them this season. The, the first team play on Sundays at 2 o'clock uh, in Burnham. But yeah, this Sunday will be at Adams Park. Uh, and there's there's some real prize money involved in this. The FA are really backing the uh, FA Cup prize money uh, pot in both the men's and the women's competitions. Uh, even though this is still in the qualifying stages, uh, the winning team on Sunday will receive, I think, in the region of three to four thousand pounds in prize money, which is which is a huge amount of money for where the women's team are at this level at the moment. So uh, a really big game for them. And uh, and after a narrow defeat in the league game, their first league game at their new home at Burnham. They'll be looking to bounce back from that and uh, and and get get stuck into the cup. And if they can make it to the first round proper, one can only imagine that the prize money gets even higher. Well, fantastic uh, weekend of football to look forward to, Adam Spark. Thank you so much for your time. No, a real pleasure. I hope uh, to see many people coming down to check it out. Brilliant to speak to Phil, as always. And don't forget, he'll be bringing you uh, match commentary here on Wickham Sound on 106.6 FM and on Wanderers TV as well, where you can also catch uh, that interview with Gareth in full and others too, of course. Hi, this is Gareth Ainsworth and you're listening to Wickham Sound. 
Hi, I'm Ruby Pace and I play for Wickham Wanderers First Team Ladies. We've got an FA Cup match on Sunday at 2 o'clock at Adams Park. I'd love to see you, as many people as possible down here. Also still to come on this week's Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from Wickham Wanderers Women Vice-Captain Cara Howes looking ahead to that historic match as well. But first, talking of history, and as always, big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, one half of a record-breaking duo. Uh, It's the uh, first time that one club has provided two amateur international wingers, one of them uh, the legendary Len Worley, of course, uh, on the left, and on the right, Paul Hodges who uh, was very pleased to uh, speak to and uh, find out his earliest memories uh, of uh, being at the club. Well, my earliest memory was um, actually being invited to join the club. Actually, what happened, I had a little dispute with Finchley Football Club that I was playing with, and there was a little dispute there, and uh, it it ended up in the papers. um, In the Evening Standard, I think, they used to run a section on amateur football, you know, and... um, I think it came on a Wednesday night or something. Anyway, I looked at that and uh, I was um, so surprised that um, after I said I was going to leave Finchley, that uh, that Wickham came for me. I had a phone call from somebody at Wickham, I don't know who it was, but would I go down there and see them? And um, it was the best uh, steps in football I ever made. (laughs) I think it was Don Don Walsh um, I saw and... uh, I didn't even meet the players until the very first game I played for them, which was an evening game against Enfield Town, and it was about the fourth game of the season, I think. And um, I went straight into the side, and um, remarkably, they got their first win of the season, which was, uh, and I enjoyed myself immensely. I mean, I was used to playing in front of 250 people at Finchley Football Club, which was still a very good club, but... um, when I walked out of uh, onto Lokes Park, it was just totally amazing. There's a, there's a side there that hadn't won a game. I, I don't think they had won a game. And they're playing the top of the league, uh, Enfield. And the, the noise that the su- supporters gave was absolutely amazing. And um, it turned out a very good night because we won the game. A lot of ex-players talk about the slope. That must be something which yeah, t- took a yeah, while to get used to, especially as a winger. Yeah, that's right. Uh, somebody said to me when I first got there, um, you'll only play in one half of the game. You know, because you only play when you're at the top of the slope, <laughs> when you're down the bottom. And it was a real, a real winner. It was probably quite true. You know, it's um, the slope made such a difference. You know, but um, you had more energy. You had plenty of energy left because uh, you're only playing one half when you're playing because the old-fashioned wingers, which is what we were. People used to knock the ball up to the top of the park, and the opposition was feeling that it was going out of play. But you know. Um, playing on it as often as we did which is it was wonderful because you never stopped running and you got onto the ball before uh, anybody else was uh, thought that was going to happen you know so what were your sort of first impressions if you like oh it's remarkable I mean I didn't know any of the players I thought I was not knowing anybody you know but it was remarkable the the response I got and I felt I felt after 10 minutes in the game I felt I'd been there forever you know and um, it was this it was wonderful, and I think I got. Pretty, I know I scored one goal, but I think I probably scored two goals in that game, and I think it ended up four-one or something. But um, it was remarkable. The atmosphere was was superb. I mean, I think there was about four and a half thousand people there, or something like that, and it was just absolutely amazing, you know. And this was the start of a love affair. I was going to say it couldn't, be, couldn't have been too long before it felt really special with with yourself on, on one wing and Len on the other. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I mean, uh, that was great. I mean, we had a really good side. I mean, the the unit. I mean, I mean, um, really, really good. I was impressed with it. And of course, I'd been playing in the Athenian League, and this was, I think, this was the Isthmian League. Oh yeah, I just felt I felt brilliant from this straight from the off. I mean, the club, Lokes Park, was fantastic, and uh, everything about it really. You know, I mean, I I would never have I would never have left Wickham had there not been this shamateurism. The um, I mean, we were I think we were coming back from um, Italy from tour, uh, Len, all, all a lot of us, and um, I was asked I was invited by the uh, coach to um, go on television when I get back and, and say that you do not receive any money, you know, no expenses or nothing, you know, and I couldn't go and do that, and uh, what they were doing, they were threatening to turn every anybody that received any kind of funds, they were going to um, force them to turn professional, and um, come out of the amateur situation and of course I was uh, my job at the time, I was an apprentice printer and um, I couldn't afford to uh, to go on the television and tell lies, you know, because you do get everybody got expenses, you know. Of course. So, were there any particular games or occasions of that season that really stand out? That particular first game really stands out. There's another one we played in the FA Cup, and I can't remember what the result was now, but um, that was against the side, the Northern side that won it many, many times. They were notorious. They're up from uh, some around the Newcastle area, I think. That was a fantastic game. We had a draw at home and got beat away, I think. So how did you sort of find out that, uh, that you were going to get called up into the uh, England amateur side? Let me think. Oh, I was, I was at, at the club, and I think I, I got an injury, and I was, um, had a, I was in with a, a physio, and um, that's when it came through. And uh, that was, Oh, that was, in the, that was in the evening standard again. Um, yeah, because there was another guy. Yeah, it was the first two new caps going in there. Yeah, it was a, it was quite a surprise. Although I had been playing in some FA FA um, team selections, you know, the the, the um, football association playing somebody like one of the um, universities in that Loughborough College, playing places like that. And so I knew I was told that I was on the on the short, you know, on the short list for it anyway. Which was uh, it was a wonderful surprise when it was, but it was. Purely only playing for uh, Wickham that inspired me, you know. Must have been so special uh, for both you and Len to be playing both club and uh, international football together. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was very proud. I was very proud of it. And we were good friends. And was that really positive as well, in a way, though, after after leaving Lokes Park? Because you sort of turned, uh, had a semi-professional career at Wimbledon, didn't you? And that was, I guess, oh. more convenient for, for sort of where you lived. Well, it was mainly because the, in the, they had Wimbledon um, had something like about six players playing in the England, England side. Um, and you know, obviously, I made friends with a few of them, and they they, uh, they sort of persuaded me, you know, come over there, come to Wimbledon, and of course, Wimbledon were just turning professional then, in the first, in the Southern League, weren't they? First um, in the second division of the Southern League, uh, and Les Henley came down to see me, and uh, and well, the the offer I had to go there was was really brilliant, you know. It was, it was nearly as much as playing for first team, uh, first division football, you know. <laughs> That's something that comes across from sort of teams of that era. You know, you all seem to get on so well together. Oh yeah, it was really, really lovely. I mean, um, I mean, I, I can. I think they did. Did um, Dave Bassett play have a few games for Wickham? 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, because I got, I got funny enough, I had a, my my family always used to support us ever so well, and my youngest sister didn't never miss a game, and um, always went to the same place when she was at Oak Park, and. Uh, she kept all the you know, memorabilia. I didn't really keep any, but she kept it. And I'm glad she did because, you know, I've got lots of um, good, happy uh, memories of it. And I've got a program somewhere tucked away here with um, David Bassett uh, playing the inside left, you know, all the inside left to me. And what did you sort of enjoy most about being a winger? Because obviously it's a really exciting position and, and, you know, gets the fans on their feet as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved it. I mean, there was, you know... I just really love playing and, and playing wide. You know, you seem to be so much space for yourself. You know, you could create. You know, and um, and of course, you know, you know, lots of assists you get. And um, I used to be able to knock a few goals in as well, which is nice. You know. No, absolutely. And overall, how do you look back at your at your time at the club? Oh, I, I, I think it's lovely. I mean, um, I mean, when when I had uh, left there. Um, the club sent me, I don't know who, who it was, but they sent me uh, an invitation to have um, photography done and a picture done for, because we play for England, you know, and this sort of thing, and we were, I was a member of the club. And um, and I didn't turn up to have my picture taken, and not for any particular reason I can remember, um, but just that I'd left the club, and um, it was one of the uh, most regretful things I ever did that um, I didn't get my picture hanging on the wall in, in uh, Lokes Park, you know. But um, apparently that was uh, put right later on. Oh, fantastic. And you must be so pleased with the, sort of the career that you went on to have as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it all started at, um, at Wickham, you know, and, and I always, always looked to see... First first two sides I looked to see now on a Saturday afternoon, Wickham and Wimbledon. Really enjoyed chatting to Paul Hodges, who was a winger at Wickham Wanderers for only one season, uh, 1963-64 campaign. Uh, really good to speak to him. And as always, a big thank you to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, who uh, will be providing uh, further uh, former Wickham stars uh, throughout the remainder of this series of the Wickham Wanderers show. We're into Series 3, by the way. I know. Uh, as the uh, season continues. Uh, back to the men in a few moments time we'll hear from uh, first team and uh, Iraqi international Ali Alhamidi and we'll catch up with uh, Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth once again as we build up uh, to the match against Plymouth Argyle at Adams Park on Saturday uh, where also uh, there's uh, a rescheduled tribute to uh, broadcaster and chairboys fan Bill Turnbull who uh, sadly passed away uh, in August but First, uh, an historic day will be happening at Adams Park on Sunday when Wickham Wanderers women uh, are in action in, as Phil mentioned a little earlier on, uh, the uh, Women's FA Cup. Uh, they'd be very pleased to have your support at the ground. And Cara House, who's the vice-captain uh, of the team, as you can, uh, uh, I'm sure, appreciate, is very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Um, we just hope that we have more people come down and, and watch us. And it's going to be a big event for us, playing at Adams Park and, you know, just the whole factor about it, really. There must be such a real feel-good factor around the club at the moment. Anyway, with the new manager and your new base at Burnham, and it just shows how, how, how things are growing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's just been good. We've, we've been very welcomed at uh, Burnham, um, and it is starting to become more of a home now for us, and the girls are ecstatic with it. And does that make a real difference now that you're training there as well and you've got two lots of training sessions a week as well, and it must really help with your preparation? Yeah, it is. Um, it helps us like understand our ground a bit more. You know, get the feel of the ground and and try and play good football, which we are. And 
Um, the girls are gelling, gelling much better now, um, you know, because we've got a few new, well, quite a lot of uh, new players come in and, you know, we're all getting along and our training's been good. Yeah, it's just been good. What's that been like, the integration of the team? Because obviously, as you say, there have been quite a few uh, new faces come in, but, but still some, some have been there a while as well. Yeah, we've still got um, like the base of, of the girls that were there for, like a few seasons before and probably further back as well. And, you know, it's good to have new faces. It brings that, the things that we were missing last season and it's just, it's just working really well. And we're all gelling, so it's, it's amazing. And what sort of impact has the new manager had? A very big impact. He's made a very good good impact as well and it's it's all been very positive you know we've got a new new home ground you know he's pushing for more and more events and and things like that and it's it's good i'm really nice that you've got this sort of leadership structure as well which you're obviously part of as a a vice captain as well yeah yeah it's good there's i think there's about five of us four of us and it's good we can just communicate all together and if girls you know need something to say they can come to us and then we can just go to carl or dan about it and does it feel like there's a real interest in the, the women's game generally, but obviously locally as well, especially since the Euros among all of you, really? Yeah, there is. I mean, our crowds are, are getting bigger. You know, more and more people are coming to watch, and it, it's nice to see. And it's nice to see that younger girls can actually finally get into football and have role, mo- role models to, to look up to. And tell us a bit about your own background. Have you, have you always been into football from an early age? Yeah, I started playing football when I was five. Um, I have a twin brother, so I started playing football with with him and then his friends at the local where where my parents live, like the local team. And then yeah, I progressed on and playing with boys mostly when growing up because you know there was many girls teams. And then I hit the age of ten and I got scouted for Oxford United Centre of Excellence at the time. I was there for six six years till I was six seven years. And um, I went to Milton Keynes Dons for three seasons and paid for their first team. And then I had a breakthrough where I was playing semi-professional for London Bees. Um, it was a good test, but wasn't really wasn't really my cup of tea kind of thing. <laughs> Very clicky, but you know, it was good good experience to have and have you know the name on the shirt that I've always dreamed of. And then I kind of went to Denham after that. And then here I am now at Wickham. And have you noticed a real uh, improvement in the standard of women's football generally as well? Yes, I have definitely. It's it's increasing by the minute, really. Yeah, it's just it's just really good that that football is on the rise. And what were your own kind of things that you took away from watching the England team uh, doing so well at the at the Euros as a, as a female footballer yourself? Was that something that you were really inspired by? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know. I didn't really have many role models growing up, and now you have them. And it must be something as well which really kind of drives you forward and wants to do better as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, football's been a huge part of my life, and I want to keep persevering and enjoying it and just keep pushing myself at all these different challenges. And obviously, uh, focusing back on the team itself, you only had sort of two uh, league games so far, but how would you assess how, how things have been going? Um, things have been going good. You know, we've worked really well in training, and we've, we've seen that in our games. It's just being clinical at the end of the day and, and trying to finish our chances. But the team's working really well together. And, yeah, we're just loving it. So what would you say people can expect if they come along on Sunday? You'll see a very high energy of, of play. And you'll see the girls are really wanting to be there. And, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be good for us and for the whole team. And do you know too much about the opposition? I think for people that don't know uh, women's football, it's quite a strange named team for a start. Benfica something or other, isn't it? 
<laughs> I have no clue what they're like, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think we've played them, but we'll just see on the day, see how it goes. And because it's the Women's FA Cup as well, that makes it a bit more special, I guess. Yeah, it does, definitely. And what, what's the sort of uh, mood among the team? Like, they, As you say, you must be really so much looking forward to, to playing at Adams Park and, and sort of you know, just even going up the tunnel well onto the pitch. Yeah, it, so we're very energetic. We, we want to we wanna play good on the, on the day, and I'm sure we will, and we'll, we'll strive to do what we want to achieve. And what would your message be to anyone who's perhaps thinking of coming along? Please do come along. Come and show us our... Uh, show your support and, and just see what we're capable of. And as you say, it's a great opportunity for you know people who've perhaps followed the men's team to come and see what the women's team's about, or you know people who've been following the women's team for a while as well. Yeah, yeah, it'll be nice to see see people there and have a crowd to cheer us on because that little that crowd would just get us going a little bit more. Well, that's fantastic. Wish you all the best for Sunday, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to chat to uh, Cora House, who's the vice captain of Wickham Wanderers Women. Uh, has her own gardening business, you know. Sorry, it sounds like an advert. Uh, still to come on the Wickham Wanderers show, uh, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth and uh, we'll uh, look ahead in more detail to what's happening on Saturday at Adams Park. Plus, we'll hear from Iraqi international Ali Alhamidi as well, here at Wickham Sound. Hi, it's Matt Bloomfield and you're listening to Wickham Sound. Coming up on the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth. Uh, we'll look ahead to the game against Plymouth. Uh, in a few moments' time as well, that uh, Luke joins us, who was at, uh, at uh, the ground on Tuesday. I was. Tell us why. Uh, it was the official photo shoot of the uh, the squad. Uh, now that the uh, window transfer window has shut, uh, then uh, they have the, the official one. Normally uh, slightly earlier than this, but as you heard Phil saying, uh, rain was forecasted and then didn't rain, and then on the day that they moved it to, rained. Uh, so uh, they got it done though it was all nice and sunny uh, they also had their sponsors day as well so all the sponsors came down uh, of the club and the, and the players as well and all got to it was really nice actually a real sense of uh, community um, at the club which you know there always is but on days like that it was uh, it was very special it was very nice I imagine but, really something to be good to be sort of present at yeah it was really I haven't got any gossip for you there was no as you said there was no one pulling any chairs away from anyone during the photos it must be like behind the scenes something you can tell us uh, the pitch looks good um, and oh, uh, hearing dogs for deaf people were there, um, and lots of the football players liked dogs because they were fussing them. Oh, that, that's, that, that counts. It's not going to be in the Sun newspaper <laughs> or any of this, but you know, it's a happy, happy place down there. But I think as well, it's really nice, isn't it, for fans to, to see as, as we chatted with Phil about the size of the squad. Oh yeah, I think you know, we've said it before with just you know the the fact that the amount of subs that Gareth has to choose from. But I think it's really highlighted two ways this season. One is if you get a, a, like the official team sheets. Um, and you actually see the the list of players that Wickham Wanderers have, and on the the official um, the photo for this year for the for the team, it's there's a lot of people there, there both is. on and off pitch. Absolutely, yeah. uh, you'll be uh, at the game on Saturday as well. Of course, we've got oh, live yeah. commentary uh, with Phil. It's uh, been a while. Three o'clock. I haven't had a home game for a bit. I was going to say they should do a because you know th- there's a lot of backroom staff at Wickham Wanderers. I think they should have an official photo as well. Yeah, just their own. Yeah, I think that in the office. Yes. Yeah, there you go. They can have that for next season. In the office? In the office. Yeah, it's a very nice office. <laughs> Feels a very good person at making a cup of tea as well. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Uh, but yes, back on Saturday. Looking forward to it. It has been uh, a little while, actually. It feels like forever uh, due to things that have been happening, of course, in, in the UK and the news. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back on Saturday and uh, hopefully a win. And a very special day as well, the uh, rescheduling of the tribute to Bill Turnbull as well. Yeah, obviously that was uh, planned for the uh, Port Vale game, uh, which obviously uh, got postponed uh the the opening of the bill turnbull gantry of course as well uh was 
rescheduled to later on in the in the week. Um, but this year, the uh, or this week, I should say, the club are delighted to welcome his family and close friends uh, to the stadium for the game against Plymouth. Uh, and there will be pitch side as the teams come out for a special minutes applause for Bill. Uh, there's also going to be a toast to Bill as well, led by his co-commentator Phil Catchpole uh, at around half past two in the Caledonian Suite as well. You're also being invited to uh, buy a badge for Bill as well, uh, raising uh, money and awareness for prostate cancer too. Yeah, who are also going to be there and uh, hopefully we'll be able to speak to them um, on air on Saturday to uh, not find out more about the charity, but you know, talk to them about um, how we can support them. All good stuff. Yeah. Uh, lots to look forward to on Saturday. We'll have full match commentary uh, from three. Uh, build up uh, ahead of that as well, of course. Uh, talking of build up, uh, Craig Anderson has been chatting to manager Gareth Ainsworth down at the training ground this morning. Before that, he caught up with Iraqi international Ali Al Hamadi, who uh, uh, scored in the practice match that we referred to a little earlier on as well. Uh, I must start with congratulations on your performance in midweek in the um, practice match behind closed doors. Yeah, it was good. Um, obviously, getting minutes, 90 minutes, which is for any young player, it's valuable throughout the season. Because again, obviously, because we're you know make getting minutes here and there, so it's good to get 90 in and obviously the goals as well, which is nice. Obviously, that, that helps you, I guess, as a player. One competitive goal for you this season, but even yeah. those goals in in practice matches, I guess, builds confidence for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as a, as a centre forward, you're getting judged on goals at the end of the day, so. Um, Obviously, performance has to be good, which again leads to goals. But um, yeah, again, coming off the bench and stuff. Obviously, my next aim now is to, to start chipping in with some league goals, which hopefully will come. But um, as long as I keep doing it and training, and when the opportunities come round, hopefully it'll be all right. You're certainly making more competitive appearances and getting more minutes than, than you did last season. How are you finding it in terms of improving game on game? Yeah, I mean, it's like anything in it. Like I'm, I'm learning game by game. So there's some games I've come on and felt really good after I felt like I made a good impact and then there's some games I've come off thinking you know I was a bit of a whirlwind next Sheffield Wednesday so um, I think sometimes maybe as outsiders or fans or whatever people maybe don't get that or I, I, don't, I don't know but you know again being 20 and, and coming on as a centre forward in, in League One is, is not not easy especially when you're you know replacing Sam Volks or coming on for Anish which who, who, who's for Anish yeah but I back myself to do that so hopefully again with more experience and, and getting to know the boys more on the pitch when I'm coming on and stuff I'll get that league goal and things will just start flowing from there You mentioned Sam Vokes it must be invaluable having him on the training ground sort of teaching you the ways of, of, of leading the line week in week out Yeah definitely he's added like a different part of my game so obviously my strength to running at people running behind using my pace whereas he's good at the hold up and, and the flick ons and you know being a big number nine so you know learning from him is, is big for me so I'm adding those elements to my game but then you also have to bring your, your personality to, to the game so I don't want to be too much like Sam Vokes because Sam Vokes is Sam Vokes um, but I can take bits from his game and, and add it and same with, with Bale last year and even Brandon as well Looking at last year, um, obviously had a loan spell at Bromley and scored a few goals. How important was that for your development as well? Yeah, it was really good. I think people as well like don't underestimate how good the leagues are now. Just every league, even League One, League Two. I think English football in general is getting stronger. So even you go down to National League and you know, I'm playing players who've played Champ, who played League One. So you're not playing against pushovers. You know that's it's their job and it's it's what they're fighting to, to pay their mortgage and stuff. So it's on me a different start to the game and again scoring goals as well in, in a league like that's quite difficult so to get a few was, was nice in the end and obviously getting to Wembley was was unbelievable 
For yourself now, looking ahead to, to the rest of the season, have you got any aims personally in terms of goal targets or um, more appearances or anything? Yeah, um, obviously I sit down at the, the start of the season and I set goals and it's like, you don't want them to be too hard to reach to where you know, you're not motivated to reach them, but they have to be challenging enough to keep you driving and, and, and going throughout the season. So I think for me at the start of the season, I set out to get between 20 and 30 appearances and I think as soon as I get my first league goal, I'll you know maybe then make a make a tally for goals. But for now, I'll just get my first league goal and then see what happens out there. Is it just around the corner? Let's hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a few chances, but it's just like there's one at Derby and one at um, Barnsley, Exeter. Just yeah, it's just coming on over. You talked about there being about obviously one of your centre forward that's your position, but how important do you think it is at times to be adaptable to maybe have to play wide left and play wide right to get your chance on the first team? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's something I spoke to Blooms and some of the coaches. You know, I can play off the left, I can play off the right, I can play in behind the striker as well. Um, so it gives me a bit of versatility to, to get into the team. But again, at the end of the day, it's down to the gaffer and I've got to just keep showing him and training and when I come on, that I deserve to, to be in there. You've got to take accountability and just on whatever position you're on the pitch. And I know we touched upon the experience of people like Sam Bokes and obviously Anis is having a, a phenomenal season, but you've also got someone like Gareth McCleary, Daryl Horgan, all played international football, just yeah. like yourself. But again, you're learning from all these people in different positions. As well as Sam Bokes being a striker, do you think you're picking up things from, from sort of the wider yeah, players? Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and as much as Anis is you know, doing his thing on the pitch, I think people don't know the way he does off the pitch. He's one of the most you know, driven players gets in early before everyone and does his extra work, take, takes care of himself and stuff. So even stuff like that, you're learning off players. So you think, you know, this kid now is, you know, a year older than me is doing unbelievable. But as much as, you know, his, his, his um, values on the pitch, he, he does a lot off the pitch as well. So you learn this, like these kind of things off the boys as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Like we've got, I know the results haven't been great, but we've got one of the best teams potentially in League One on paper so you're learning a lot from, from, from some high caliber players and last thing for me I don't know if you're much of a follower on social media at all but uh, whenever you're not picked there seems to be from your countrymen such a, a, a rare for support why is it like having almost like what feels like on social media a country behind you yeah. every time we can announce a team yeah, yeah no it's, uh, it could be it's like a blessing and a curse at the uh -huh. same time like uh -huh. it puts a lot of eyes on you and and you know, annoy some people as well. Sure. And I've seen some people get annoyed about it, which is, you know, it's fine, it's part of it. Um, but yeah, it's unbelievable. Like when I've been away with them, it's just, it's just an unbelievable country that just loves football. So there's not many players of, of Iraqi descent that play in, in the football, in the English football league. So it's obviously a big deal to, to the country. Um, and you know, at one point Iraq was one of the best teams in Asia. So you know, it's a, it's a big footballing country. But yeah, again, like I was saying before, sometimes it brings on maybe you know, like unnecessary eyes from, from people. But I, f I think I thrive off that. And like, I don't really, you know, sometimes you see comments here and there on, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I know the work I do off the pitch and, and how hard I'm working. So yeah, I just take it as, as it comes. Maybe a few more Rocky Chair boys out there somewhere. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, they're growing. <laughs> the Wickham Wanderers worldwide phenomenon continues. Uh, brilliant to hear from Ali Alhamdi chatting to Craig a little earlier on. Uh, we'll be hearing more from manager Gareth Ainsworth as well, but uh, something else which is a bit special happening on Saturday as well with the Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust. Yeah, it's, it's a busy notice board period uh, for on today's show. Uh, <laughs> but the first session of the Chair Boys Chat uh, initiative is being uh, run this week by Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust. Uh, it begins this Saturday after the game 
game, uh, inv- inviting male fans to get together to discuss issues relating to me- mental health and well-being, uh, which we spoke about uh, ages ago when they first announced it. But it's happening uh, on the Plymouth game. It's then happening on the 15th of October at, uh, at the Peterborough game, 29th of October against Morecambe, the 3rd of December at Portsmouth, uh, and Saturday, the 17th of December against Ipswich Town. Those games all happening uh, from 5.15 till 6.15 is when the Chairboys chat uh, will be happening afterwards. And also, Wickham Wanderers and Oxford United uh, will be marking World Mental Health Day as well at their fixture on the 8th of October as well. Thank you very much, Annie, for bringing us that Thank news. You very, much. <laughs> very good part of the show. Thank the you. notice board section. We're done now. We should have a little jingle, shouldn't we? We should, yeah. That's the, that concludes the notice board section <laughs> for this <laughs> week's <laughs> Wickham Wanderers <laughs> show. Uh, now, though, let's continue our build-up to the game against Plymouth. League leaders, of course, coming to Adams Park on Saturday. And uh, Craig sat down with the manager, Gareth Ainsworth, uh, to discuss all sorts of things, including, of course, the recent absence of Josh Scoen and Gareth McCleary, of course, who has uh, been suspended and is set to return. It's important that both of them are you know, up to speed and, uh, and we wouldn't risk anyone, put it that way. But um, we, are, we are missing our... Our top performers, you know, so far this season, and uh, and there's no, you know, it's no doubting that Josh Go and Gareth McCleary would walk into most League One sides. We can actually have a very good record against Plymouth Argyle. If I can read you a little quick stat quickly, we haven't actually lost to them since 2015 in all competitions, and the only two survivors from that team were obviously that Matt Bloomfield, part of our coaching staff, and Joe Jacobson. Yeah. So, what's it like having a player like Joe Jacobson around that's been there, done that, you know? up and down the leagues with you like what's it like to have him around with these new players coming into yeah, the squad yeah he's been brilliant Joe you know he's uh, obviously 35 now and he's he's um, he's had a fantastic career how he's not played higher I'll never know you know because he really has been a top performer but um, no it's, uh, it's it's great we don't take much on stats you know we really do just take each game as it comes and on its own merits uh, but um, but Joe yeah he's seen, he's seen a lot of change and I think someone like Joe Jacobson is a uh, you know, he's, he's just been an amazing servant for this club, and I think that fans have got to got to remember what he's done for us, you know. And uh, hopefully, he'll, he'll perform well on Saturday again. It's hard not to think about Plymouth Argyle and uh, not talk about Barry Richardson at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fond memories um, from even away games as well as home. Yeah, I mean, it goes down in folklore, doesn't it, Barry? When he came on the pitch, and uh, I think after I don't know. 15-20 minutes and uh, and kept a clean sheet you know at 46 years old that was a, that was a fantastic day you know and I, I remember coming home on the bus and Baz was just absolutely beaming you know he, he played his, his obviously his last game in professional football but um, what a way to go out and uh, you know like I say that this club has these moments have these these little stories we seem to have more than most clubs and, uh, and that's definitely one of them and last one for me Gareth and I'm sure you've been congratulated a lot and congratulations for myself over 10 years of management um, if you could Jump in a time machine. What would this Gareth Ainsworth tell that Gareth Ainsworth? Yeah, just be yourself. Do do what you believe is right because uh, that's what's get me on the journey. You know, put in the position because of who I was. You know, and even the Torquay season, you probably I don't regret it. I don't want to look back and change it because it taught me a hell of a lot of lessons. I'll probably just have a little whisper and say, "Don't worry." In ten years' time, you know, from uh, away at Dagenham on the first game, getting beat three 0 in, in front of maybe I don't know two two thousand two three thousand fans. Your tenth anniversary will be away at Sheffield Wednesday. This ex Premier League team, they were probably in the Premier League that day. Um, Twenty odd thousand fans and, and giving a good account of yourself and and uh, and having a respected team in the football league. I think that. A nice whisper just to say that everything will be okay, just uh, just stick with it, might have been all right. But uh, 
I wouldn't, probably wouldn't have enjoyed the ride as much then. So it would have been good. Lots to look forward to on Saturday. Uh, Wickham Wanderers against top of the table, Plymouth Argyle. Uh, they're the visitors at uh, three o'clock is the kickoff. But uh, we've got uh, much more coverage for you on Saturday. Yeah, all starts from uh, 12 o'clock in the car park uh, with Rob, myself and Sally. Uh, then build up uh, on Wickham Sound and Wanderers TV from two o'clock uh, we'll have more from Gareth uh, possibly some players as well that Phil's been able to talk to uh, before the game and uh, yeah all the team news uh, from two o'clock uh, and then obviously live commentary from the Bill Turnbull gantry uh, from uh, from three o'clock with Phil and somebody else we're not sure who it is yet but it, there will be someone else there as well uh, and of course if you want more pre-match uh, content then uh, pre-match drills will be appearing on Wanderers TV shortly at some point soon and post-match as well, we'll get to hear from the manager. Yes, post-match from uh, the manager and a player as well. Uh, and of course, Phil. And of course, if you're at the game or if you're watching at Wanderers TV around the world, uh, then we want to hear your thoughts. Good, bad, what you think needs to happen, what you don't like, what you do like. Uh, then send them at Wickham Sound uh, on Twitter or 01494 uh, on WhatsApp. We'd love to hear from you um, after the game. And don't forget, if you're impressed by the Lionesses' achievement in the summer, uh, a brilliant chance for you to see uh, women's football locally at Adams Park for the first time. Wickham Wanderers women in action in the uh, FA Cup. The Women's FA Cup take on London E. Benfica. Uh, the kickoff time there is at two o'clock. Uh, cheer on the chair girls. Good luck, chair girls. If you've not seen uh, women's football for the first time, that's uh, your great opportunity there. Uh, on Saturday, get your tickets for that. Uh, also on Sunday, it's the London Marathon. Uh, must wish all the best to uh, Ross Jevons as well, uh, former media man at the club. Uh, we spoke to him on the show as well. Uh, on mid-mornings uh, he's uh, raising money for Toffs uh, as his uh, young son Corey has uh, got the condition uh, which means he was born without the ability to swallow I think they're nearly five. They're nearly at 5k as well so if you can help then uh, this we is just very tweeted exciting it out so if you can help them uh, then help obviously he's running the London Marathon he's a late entry as well <laughs> yes. so he's not done too much training oh, they're over 5,000 oh fantastic there go. good news there's a good update there as well yeah We've gone from just under to just over <laughs> 5,000, just like that. Yeah, Brilliant. That's amazing. Uh, great opportunity for you to support that. Uh, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think we're there. Good luck to the chair boys. Good luck to the chair girls. Good luck to Ross. And anyone else, if you're running in the London Marathon yes. as well, it's a fantastic 26.2 mile uh, achievement uh, for you to, uh, to get involved with. Uh, we're back at the same time next week. Don't forget there's a podcast version available of the show as well, uh, which will be available from tomorrow. But if you're listening to the podcast, obviously it's available now. Hi.